0: Today, we get to start a brand new sermon series called Abundant Love. And so, for the next four weeks, we're going to be uh, just driving through Luke chapter 5. And I'm super excited about this. Uh, the, the peak behind the curtain is leading up to February. I'd kind of had for six months or so, I've had this month circled as a, as a four week vision series a, a series about our vision. Where are we going? What are we doing? And as elders, we talk about that a lot. Um, what's the next part of the plan? How is this all going to work? And then the more we kind of talked about what our vision is as a church, and visions are fine and there's nothing wrong with them. And if you have a lead a team or you have a company and you have a vision for where you're going, that's great. What we realize is that our vision is just our mission. Our vision is just to do our mission over and over and over and over and better and better and better and better. And so our mission to know Jesus and make him known, we just did four weeks about that. And so for the next four weeks, I said, why am I going to do a vision when that is our vision? Our vision is to know Jesus and make him known. So we're not going to talk about any growth projections or capital campaigns. Why? Because we're not concerned about it. God will grow his church if he chooses and you are faithful to give. So we're not worried about that. Our vision is to pursue the mission to be a place that makes outsiders insiders. One of the easy illustrations for that is you are sitting in chairs that were not here two months ago. The reason we got new chairs is not because the old ones were broken or not because they were ugly or not. The reason we got new chairs is because they had little wooden slats on the outside that made them 23 and a half inches each. And the new chair you're sitting on, if you hadn't noticed, is only 18 and a half inches, meaning that for every four chairs, I got to add another chair to the sanctuary. And so we increased our capacity by 23% simply by buying new chairs. Why? Because I will never forget the Sunday I sat here and a family of six came in and couldn't find six chairs together. And I said, if we are going to be a place that makes outsiders insiders, we have to have a seat for the outsider to sit and feel at home. So you sit in new chairs, not because we have some grand vision. You sit in new chairs because we have a grand mission. And if we're going to know Jesus and invite other people to know him with us, then we need a place for people to sit. And that's why we got new chairs. And over and over again, we run into these things in our community. We want to be a low bar kind of entry place. Come as you are. And then we want to have a high challenge once you get here, don't stay there. We want to know Jesus and make him known. If that's the idea, then what we need is not a grand and compelling vision. What we need is to figure out how we're supposed to go about our mission. And so we're going to do that for four weeks by looking at the life of this Jesus we say we want to know. And as we look at Jesus, my uh, conviction and my excitement is that we're going to see in a whole new way who we are called to be and how we are called to live out our mission. So if you would, uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 5. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. We're going to put it on the screens. You can read it along with me. We're going to read here. It says, when the people... While the people pressed upon him, talking about Jesus, to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. This is also the Sea of Galilee, same lake. And he saw two boats, Jesus did, by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon, Simon Peter, so you'll hear him called Simon and Peter, he was asked to put out a little from the land. And Jesus sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had ceased speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, which is another word for rabbi or teacher, we toiled all night and took nothing. We fished all night. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had uh, had done this, they enclosed a great shoal of fish. And as their nets were breaking, they beckoned their partners in the other boat, remember there were two boats, in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. It's curious. He was astonished. And all that were with him at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were the partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. Henceforth you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and they followed him. As we dig into this passage, I want to first set this scene. It's this beautiful scene as these fishermen are fishing all night in the Sea of Galilee, the Lake of Gennesaret. We call it the Sea of Galilee. It's a a lake. It's not just any lake. It's a lake that I can stand on one shore and I can see the other shore. So it's not Lake Erie. It's not Lake Michigan. It's, it's It's a lake. And as the sun rises, it rises over uh, these cliffs and mountains that are kind of around this hillside that circles the lake. The Sea of Galilee is built into sort of like a bowl in the landscape. And so, as you come upon it, as you look around, what you see is the lake, and then you see the hillsides all around. And so, you get this picture just just reading this. That as these fishermen come in from a night of failed fishing, and Jesus approaches them, the sun is coming up over these hilltops. It's glinting off the lake in this wild, fertile garden. Gennesaret just means uh, princely garden, because this land is super fertile, and so there's olive trees and fig trees and palm trees. And it's just this kind of beautiful oasis. And Jesus gets out into this empty boat, and he says, hey, can you take me out a little bit further? I want to teach. And so he preaches a little bit, and then and curiously, he says, Peter, let's go fishing, which I don't know if if you've ever been fishing and not caught something, but the last thing you want to do after hours of fishing and not catching something is someone to ask you to go fishing again. You're done at that point. I'm really good at fishing. I'm really bad at catching, right? There's a difference. And so, so Peter, this is his job. He spent the whole night fishing. They've caught nothing. I don't know. Maybe you're a salesperson and you do a whole day of sales calls and you make no sales. And you get home and your spouse, your roommate, they say, hey, you want to go do some sales calls? Uh, (laughs) did that all day not real well can we just not do that if you own a shop a business and no one comes in you don't extend your hours for the day to sell more of nothing you you close you're like we're done for this so Peter has just gone through an entire night of catching nothing this is his job has to look at Jesus who goes hey let's take the nets out a little further and Peter knows hey man we fished the prime time and we didn't get anything but you know what whatever let's go let's see how it works And the next thing we see is they're calling over the other boat because they've caught such a great haul of fish that it's not only that they've caught fish, but the boat is literally sinking. They call over the other boat and it says, two boats are sinking under the weight of the catch. They're so overladen with fish. And then Peter's first reaction to this incredible catch, he's a fisherman. This is the greatest moment of a fisherman's life. This is the thing they dream of. I caught so many fish, my boat sank. Those are stories you hear told and you go, please, whatever. Because everybody who's ever caught a fish knows that it started this big. And by the time you told the story five or six times, it was like, I needed three men to get her onto the boat. You know, and it's like, it's never that. It was a perch. It was your bait. You just reeled it back in. And so we have this issue. And Peter's first reaction to this incredible haul is what? He says, get away from me, Jesus. His first reaction to the incredible haul of fish is to look at Jesus and go, depart from me, get away from me. We're going to come back to that because I think that matters. What I want to start with is that we are people of sinking boats, that you and I as followers of Jesus are people of sinking boats. And usually when you think of sinking boats, that's a bad thing, but our boat sinks under the extravagance of Jesus. You and I are people of sinking boats. And if you think about this undeserved haul that Peter brings in, what we have to look at is that this is actually a perfect picture of grace. This is the first and be- most beautiful picture of grace you're gonna get as you go through the Gospels, is that Jesus is first meeting his disciples. He gives them this perfect picture of grace. Why? This is wealth not earned. Peter's efforts all night produce nothing. So you can try and try and try and try and get nowhere, and then Jesus shows up, and simply by believing him enough to go out and put their nets in the water, they have overabundance of wealth. Their nets are breaking. And then look what Jesus does with this incredible wealth that he's just given them in these fish. He leads them to a huge reward, and this is instructive for us today. He leads them into the depths of grace, to their boats sinking. This could take them a whole day to sort through these fish, pull them from the nets, clean them. Imagine in this moment, as they're sitting with sinking boats, as these fish are flopping around in the boats, and they're looking at each other like, this is amazing. Jesus' next instruction is what? What? Come on. And it says they left their boats. They left their nets. They left their dream haul, their best day ever. They left weeks worth of wages sitting in that boat, and they followed him. Grace is not only the invitation to life restored, but it is the gate through which restored life is lived. If the picture in the boat is one of grace, we have to recognize that grace is not only the invitation to restored life, Grace is the invitation, the gate through which we begin to live that, and so Jesus gives us grace and then beckons us forward through it. Jesus looks at these people and he says, you see the abundance that we have right now? It only gets better, but you have to follow me. So check out how he describes life and grace in the kingdom in John chapter 10. We'll put it on the screen. I'll read it with you. It says, so again, Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, I'm the gate for the sheep. Imagine a sheepfold, which was like Four foot high stone walls and sort of a circle, okay? And there's a gate through which the shepherd leads his sheep in and out. And Jesus says, as they're standing probably by one of these sheepfolds, he goes, I'm the gate. I'm the gate. I decide who gets in. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved. Remember that. Whoever enters by me, whoever enters by Jesus is saved. And... And will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that may have life and have it abundantly. They're saved when they come through Jesus. We're saved when we place our faith in Jesus. But it doesn't stop there. He says, and they go in and out and find pasture. This is important because salvation is found by entering the sheepfold with Christ. Salvation is found by entering into a relationship and faith in Christ. But abundant life is not found there. Abundant life is found in the in and the out and the pasture. See, it's tempting for us to get into faith and stay in the sheepfold and go, okay, I'm safe here. I've got it. I have salvation. I have security. I'm not, don't nobody move. And what Jesus is saying is when you're with me, yeah, you're safe. But guess what we're going to do? We're going to go in and out. I will lead you into pasture. I'll take you to better fields. I'll find you everything you need. But you got to be willing to leave the sheepfold to find it because I may come that you have offered life, but there's something even better. There's abundant life. But it requires that you get out of the boat overladen with fish. It requires that you leave the sheepfold that you feel safe in and actually start to live the life, the in and out of faith. Faith. The abundant life found in the in and out, the abundant grace that is in the sinking boat invites you into a greater grace, into a more abundant grace as you leave it behind. Jesus came that we might have life and have it abundantly. And in this moment, when Jesus is inviting Peter into this abundant life by showing him this incredible catch, Peter says, What? Depart from me, Lord, which is a really strange thing to say. Depart from me, Lord. I would offer that it is holiness exposing something in Peter, that holiness exposes something in each of us. When we are in the presence of great holiness, of of kind of the other, of the greater, it exposes something in us because we are both drawn to holiness and terrified by it. That's just what holiness does. One, it attracts us. It makes us feel good. I want to be close to that. On some smaller level, if you go to a concert, do you want to sit in the front row or the top of the nosebleeds? You want to be in the front row. I want to be as close as I can get to the action. You go to a sporting event, which seat do you want? I want to be up close. You go to a Broadway show, do you want to sit in the very back of the balcony or do you want to be up close? Something about that draws us in. It invites us in. We want to be next to it. We want to be near it. But something about it terrifies us too because it shows us our inadequacies. Because we know we can't live up to the thing we're drawing close to. There's a psychological pattern known as the imposter syndrome. This idea that despite all evidence that someone belongs in their field or getting their award, that they still feel like a fraud. This is, is pretty common. People that have been known to struggle with this that have admitted to feeling this way. Tom Hanks, how many Oscars do you need to win before you walk on a movie set and feel like you belong? Feels like maybe I'm an imposter here. Neil Armstrong? all I did was walk on the moon. Gosh, I don't know why they're honoring me. Sonia Sotomayor, Supreme Court Justice. The great American poet, uh, Maya Angelou, wrote this. She said, I have written 11 books, but each time I think, uh uh-oh, they're going to find me out now. I've run a game on everybody, and they're going to find me out. Award-winning, world-renowned poet and writer puts out a new book and says, oh no, they're going to find me out. I've got eight books for sale on Amazon, and every time I send anybody anything that I write, I have that feeling. I know that feeling. Ugh. What if this is when they all point out that none of it's all that good? What if this is when somebody reads it and goes, ugh. Every time. The imposter syndrome is real. I feel that. Anyone who has married up knows this feeling. I don't know why they're with me, but I'm not going to tell them. Anybody who's married down Uh, Send me an email, we'll set up some counseling, okay? (laughs) Holiness makes us feel like that. And for a lot of us as Christians, we are dealing with some form of the imposter syndrome that we've somehow snuck into faith, but man, we don't think we belong here. I can't live up to it. This is why throughout the Gospels, throughout our lives, we see people drawn to Jesus who then walk away. You read your Gospels and you see people drawn into the presence of Jesus and then they turn around and walk away. The rich young ruler goes up to Jesus and he goes, all you got to do is just sell your stuff and follow me. And the holiness almost repels him and he, he walks away sad. Over and over people get into the presence of Jesus and what we find by the time that Jesus makes the cross, there's nobody left. That holiness draws us in but then it repels us because it shows us how inadequate we are. We were reminded we can't live up to it. We think we're going to be found out. People in the church in here right now, some of you are going, I still struggle with stuff. I can't be a Christian. Jesus wouldn't want me. You don't know the sins in my life. You don't know the habits I have. You don't know the things I think about. I can't be in the presence of holy. You are, instead of sinking in the weight of grace, you find yourself sinking in shame and guilt. And that is not what was designed for you. It's understandable. It's understandable but it's not what was designed for you. Jesus looks right back at Peter and he says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You belong with me. And you and I walk into this place. You and I hear about a Bible study. You and I think about digging in with Jesus a little bit more and we go, gosh, I just can't do it if you just knew what I was into. Jesus doesn't want me the way that I am. Jesus doesn't pursue you because of your perfection, but because of his and so if you are waiting until you're worthy, it's going to be a long time. Jesus doesn't pursue you because of your perfection, but because of his perfection. And it is his perfection he welcomes you into. And so Peter, with all of his impulsivity and all of his hot-headedness and all of his doubt, Peter is welcomed into the presence of Jesus, not because of who Peter is, but because of who Jesus is. And the same is true for you. Staying in the boat is like sleeping in Disney World, which you go, yes, I get that entirely. Total sense. Keep moving what staying in the boat is like sleeping in disney world i don't know if you know this but there are a lot of people sleeping in disney world look at the pictures there are people everywhere sleeping in disney world you think that you're going to see exhausted children sleeping in strollers you never almost ever see that what you see instead is exhausted adults looking for any time and space they can get to catch a nap everywhere you look people are sleeping We went to Disney World a few years ago. It's one of the nicest rooms I've ever stayed in. There were giraffes at my balcony. There was a stocked kitchen, a great huge king-size bed, a huge marble bathroom with a soaker tub. It was tempting to say, we made it. We're technically at Disney World. Kids, you can turn on the Disney Channel. I'm going to be in that tub for six hours. We did it. Vacation is awesome. That's the temptation because you made it. You did it. Reality is there's so much more life to be had, but you gotta leave the room. Because you saved money, and then you've dealt with all of the fun of traveling with little ones. You finally get there, and if you're one of these people, you finally make it to Disney World, you finally made it to the magic kingdom, and what do you do? sleep. All that saving, all that effort, all that dreaming about how great it's gonna be. I got here, I made it, I'm in Disney World. I need a nap. And you and I look at that and we go, well, that's not what Disney World was built for. That's not why they designed Disney World. They didn't design the Magic Kingdom so that you could take a nap in it. That's not the point. Space Mountain, and they're sleeping. The benches were not created for napping. They're put on Main Street so you can watch the parade and revel in the awe and the imagination and the, the fantasy of this beautiful place. They weren't made for you to be in the imagination of your dream world. Abundance is waiting for those people and for us, but it requires movement. Abundant life is available to those who not only rest in grace, but walk in grace. You can get to Disney World and rest, and you don't get the abundance of Disney World. You can get to Jesus and rest, and you don't get the fullness of Jesus. We've been talking Magic Kingdom. This is the reality of God's kingdom. You have made it. If you were a follower of Christ, you are in the kingdom Now. Jesus says, come live in it, try it on for size. Like the great line in the Shawshank Redemption, when Andy is talking to Red in the prison and they have their backs up against the stone wall, he says, you either get busy living or you get busy dying. And too many followers of Jesus are busy dying. We found our way into the kingdom and then we are counting the days until we can die to go be in heaven because this life is just not worth it when in reality, the call upon our lives when we enter into the kingdom is to get busy living, to be united in participation with God here and now. And so if the boat is your salvation, your deep grace, choosing to leave the boat to follow Jesus is your ticket to abundant life. And he'll let you sit in that boat all day and sink in grace. But the abundant life you've been called to, that thing that your soul knows is waiting, the thing that when you go, gosh, I just wish there was more. There is, and it's in getting out of the boat, it's in getting up and starting walking along the path with Him. Jesus looks at these new followers and He says, There's more to life. I know it's cool to be in the boat, I know it's cool to experience the grace, but there's so much more. Come and see with me. It gets better follow me, walk with me, make new disciples with me, you won't believe how much better it is to catch people than it is to catch fish. I would say that the love that has drawn us into life is the same love that draws us out of the boat. If the love that has drawn you into life is real, it is the same and greater love drawing you into the greater life of abundance waiting for you on the other side. The love that fills the nets with fish invites you to leave them for something greater. Abundant love... Jesus says, I will make you fishers of men, that I'll show you how this life really works, that I'll explain the mysteries that I've laid before you. You think pulling fish out of a lake is fun. Imagine pulling men and women out of death and into life. It gets so much better. Church, this is what we're called to. This is our mission, to know Jesus, to to get out of the abundance of grace and then walk in grace with him To leave behind the security of the sheepfold and to follow him through the pastures in the in and out rhythm of life with Jesus. Not always safe, but it's good. Called to be a people of abundant love. To be a people activated in 167 hours a week. We have one hour here and there's 167 others. And we are called to be activated in that. That we get our hour in the sheepfold. We get our hour Praising Jesus and raising our hands and hugging necks. And then we get to go out into the pasture. We get to go out with Him to meet others. We get to go fish for a greater catch than we've ever imagined. We get to go and share the abundant love that He's first deposited in us. We get to do that. That's our mission to make Him known. For your friends and your neighbors and your relatives and your colleagues to look at you and go, What is this abundant love? And they'll never use those words, but they'll have a question. And everybody else is bummed out. Everybody else has always got stuff to, and you have this abundance about you. It's the abundance that was put into the boat that God says, now get out and share it with others. We have the opportunity to rest in grace and walk in it. In Jesus, we have the security of the sheepfold while we're out in the world. We have both. So today I wanna to challenge you to consider what that looks like in your life what it means to enter the kingdom and not be willing to sit and sleep, but to activate, to connect, to drive forward, to follow him. We have these cards in your seat back. Robert mentioned them earlier. I want to use it today as an application if you would want to use it with me. There's three really easy checkboxes on the back. One says, I made a decision to follow Jesus today. Look, I get that there are people in this room right now who have never made the choice to follow Jesus because you're waiting to be worthy. You're waiting to earn it. You're waiting to clean up one more sin. You're waiting to get one more thing fixed in your life so you can follow Jesus. And what I would like to tell you, what Jesus tells us in the Bible is that he's not waiting for that. That he came before you ever existed so that you could be ready to receive him and live in the abundant life he has for you. And so if you've never made that decision and you're waiting for the right today, today is the day. Today is your day. It's not about your perfection, but his. So if that's you, you would check that box. There's another box that says, I want information about how to get connected. You know what that means to me? That means I don't know what it means to get out of the boat. Can somebody walk that path with me for a little bit? We would go, absolutely. That doesn't mean we're gonna give you a job to do or you're gonna have to hold the doors. We'd love it if you want to. That means we wanna talk to you about what does it mean to get out of the boat, to leave the sheepfold, to get into real life whether that's connecting with partners or figuring out how you can make an impact at your workplace, whether it's figuring out a Bible study to help you start growing in your confidence in the Lord, whatever that is, if you want to get connected and learn what it means to walk in faith with Christ, check that box. And third and finally, there are people in here that just need prayer. You pull that card out, you look at that sheet, you look at this out of the seat back and you go, you know what I really need is I need someone to pray with me because it is broken, everything is broken. I know you're sitting there like that because I see every single week people come in my office and go, I can't do this anymore, I'm broken. Relationship is broken, finances are broken, something in me is wrong, I can't get over the hump, I can't get over the habit, whatever that is. And let us walk that journey with you. Let us open up our lives to your life and say you don't have to walk it alone. That this is a family and a community that says we don't judge you by where you are, we just cheer you on to where God's called you to be. So if you need prayer for something, check that. Write as vague a prayer as you want. God knows what you need. We just want to walk with it. That's my invitation to you today. That's our application for where we're going. The kingdom is calling us into abundance. It is on offer, and I cannot wait to get there with you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your word is so beautiful. Lord, thank you for the clarity of the stories we inherit, of the beauty that we inherit. Thank you for the joy of the radical grace that sinks our boats. Father, thank you for the challenge that we don't sit in them, but we get to walk in grace with you. Lord, I pray for those in this room that are wrestling with whether to make a decision to even follow you in the first place. Father, I pray that they would see that while you don't always feel safe, that you are so good that you have abundance waiting for us. Lord, I pray that you would lean into us as we lean into you, that you would give us the safety and security to know that once we are with you, that our fears drop away, that our challenges, while they still exist, they exist in you now and we have hope. Father, for those in this room that simply need to get out of the boat, that simply need to leave the sheepfold, I pray that you would give them the proper nudge and the clarity, the direction as to what that means. Father For those in the room that are just dealing with the broken pieces of life, Father, my prayers they would be reminded that they are not alone, that every single one of us is fighting a battle, some big, some small, some public, some private. Lord, my prayers that they would not feel the need to walk alone, first, Lord, you would be with them and present, and they would feel your presence and Second, Father, that we might be some community of family to carry the burden together. God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your son. God, you are sovereign and you are beautiful and you have invited us in. And Lord, we open our hands. We're coming, Lord. God, we love you. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.